Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Finally, Leo season is over because let me tell you, I've had so many birthdays. (laughs) You're one of them, Ryan. Leo season is never over. A lot of your parents were having sex over the holidays, had babies. Well, it's kind of crazy. I've never met this year alone made me realize that I have a lot of Leo friends when normally I was the kid always who never had birthday parties in the middle of the school year mm-hmm. who always like was like kind of always dreading their birthday because it was in the middle of summer and it's hard to get everybody yeah. together and so like I get it now it's like overwhelming sometimes but Leo season's still the best too many Leos well because of that I had to figure out a way to buy a present that was well priced because I had so many people of I, course I to get it breaks the presents. bank it breaks the bank yeah Yes, you could easily spend a lot of money. So I found the ultimate birthday present. Hear me out on this. It's on Amazon. It's like $12, $13. You'll thank me later. It's the disco light. Disco lights. Who doesn't love a disco light? It's one of those little circular lights you plug in. It has all the colors. It syncs with your music. The best thing ever. I discovered this during the pandemic. It was my favorite thing with my boyfriend. We'd throw on the music, have a solo dance party. So... If you need a cheap gift, you need to buy a bunch of them, go buy the disco lights on Amazon. There I mean, you go. Not sponsored, but most not definitely sponsored. love it. <laughs> Where's my affiliate link? <laughs> no, but to be, for real, that thing, I don't know who created those things, but they were smart. Makes the world a better place. Because you're always in need. Of you a are. Party element, you know? Even if you just want to chill, it has those vibes. I feel that. I like that, actually. We need one of them here, actually. No, we have enough lights in here. It's already gay in here. Let's <laughs> like, rainbow relax. lights. Okay, well, we've got a lot coming up on the show. I'm so excited to have the founder of Miri's List joining us in 30 minutes to talk about what they're doing to help Afghan refugees. Actually raised $2,300 for them over the weekend at my this event I did on Friday. Cool. Yeah, so we'll be talking more about that in 30 minutes. Plus, actress Sarah Paulson's regret in being involved with impeachment. The series, that's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into so much trending this hour, though. Louisiana Republican Senator Bill Cassidy provided a, a really horrific report of two hospital roofs being blown off uh, during the hurricane over the weekend. Here's what he had to share. But there are reports of evacuations from two hospitals down near the coast, uh, which had their roofs blown off. Another hospital, which had a portion of its generator go out. Mm-hmm. So they had to move patients, bagging them, if you will, means they're not on mechanical ventilation. They're just having a nurse push the bag and breathe and as they move to another part of the hospital so even buildings that were designed to withstand hurricanes were terribly damaged 
The Category 4 storm hit the state over the weekend, leaving over 1 million people without power. And uh, more details in 15 minutes. We got our favorite meteorologist on to join us for that. Uh, But the Education Department's Civil Rights Enforcement Arm announced today it has launched investigations into five states to determine whether statewide policies prohibiting school mask mandates is discriminatory against students with disabilities. These letters went out to school officials in Iowa, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee and Utah, notifying them of the new investigations. And uh, they wanted to see whether it would prevent students with disabilities from safely returning to in-person education in violation of federal law. And uh, that was so much trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk Sarah Paulson, um, which I'm very excited to watch her in this new impeachment show. You know, there's so much news coming around. It must be really going to be good. Well, she's speaking about um, all of the criticism of her being in a fat suit in the upcoming impeachment series. It's time for the T-Reports. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Sarah says she has regrets about wearing padding to portray Linda Tripp in Impeachment American Crime Story. The actress told the LA Times that she wonders if she should have said no to the part um, after facing backlash for the padding. Quote, she says, it's very hard for me to talk about this uh, without feeling like I'm making excuses. There's a lot of controversy uh, that could provide further harm and it's a very important conversation to be had. She also talks about how she knows like fat phobia is really real and wearing a fat suit is not going to help that um, Mm. when they could have just gotten a bigger actress. Um, She says there's a lot of controversy around actors in fat suits and I think that controversy is a legitimate one. I think fat phobia is real and I think to pretend otherwise causes further harm and is a very important conversation to have. And so um, she did, though, gain 30 pounds for the role and serves as the executive producer on the show. She says playing this character was a challenge of a lifetime and that she liked to believe she was right for the part. But I I do think um, there's these conversations of whether, you know, casting should just get a bigger actor to portray that. I mean, this could have been a fabulous opportunity to introduce a new face into the world. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Um, It's really interesting, actually. She said, but that entire responsibility, I don't think, falls on the actor for choosing to do something that is arguably, and I'm talking about from the inside out, the challenge of a lifetime. I do think to imagine that the only thing any actor called upon to play this part would have to offer is their physical self. Um, If you want to read more about that, head over to WeirdChannelQ.com and and get more of her thought process. Let us know what you think at LGT Show, of course. And next hour, I got how you can win two tickets to Lady Gaga. Yeah, coming up next. All right. Well, next up, updates on Hurricane Ida and how bad it really is on the ground in New Orleans. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hurricane Ida swept through Louisiana, leaving more than a million customers without power this morning. Here to share more is Matthew Capucci, a meteorologist for Capital Weather Gang. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So the pictures and all the news coming out of Louisiana and New Orleans is just devastating. Did they expect it to be this bad? Uh, Yes, this was one of the best forecast hurricanes in Frankly, the entire history of anybody doing weather, the National Hurricane Center nailed it. We nailed it. Everybody really nailed it. But the issue is, even though the the forecast was good, was the communication that good? In other words, was the public fully and adequately prepared? The best forecasts aren't that good if they fall on 
the you know ears that may not know what they're listening to or if they're not adequately communicated. So we're going to have to go back and see if we communicated this correctly. One of the other challenges, too, sometimes even if we know three, four days out exactly what's going to happen, it might take more time to either evacuate a city or to fully prepare for it. And so we're still at that point where no matter how good our forecasts get, they're still not to the point where we can give as much advanced warning as we need for a high-end storm like this. Well, that's something that I wonder is, right, like, how how soon do you kind of know that this is going to be, you know, a problem that it could really affect people in this way? Is it just kind of like you're just watching it as it happens? It's like real live updates or do you kind of know being like this is coming and we really need to seriously do something about it? Well, last Monday I said to my boss, well, we got something to watch in the Bay of Campeche. And by Tuesday, one or two models were showing something. But I remember saying to him, you know, this, this one's looking kind of sketchy. It just has that look. And then Wednesday, all the models started saying it would move into Tamaulipas, Mexico, or near Brownsville, Texas. But there were so many signs that it would be captured by high pressure and something called a, a tropical upper tropospheric trough over the Gulf of Mexico, which would kind of yank it northwards. And eventually models caught on. And as soon as we saw it was going over the Gulf of Mexico by probably Wednesday, Thursday, we said, yeah, there's going to be nothing holding it back. If, if it moves over there, we're talking water temperatures near 90 degrees. We had weak winds in the upper atmosphere, so nothing to pull, to, nothing to play tug of war with the storm and disrupt it. It was basically a powder keg environment, and we're honestly we're fortunate it didn't have six more hours over water because if it did, it would definitely have been a Category Five. Wow! Had anything been implemented from Hurricane Katrina 16 years ago in terms of, uh, you know, their their readiness for something like this or dealing with it as a community? Yeah, I think the, the folks who invested $16 billion in levees in New Orleans, they did a, a pretty good job. I mean, the, every single levee held this time. Granted, there were a couple outside of New Orleans that had some issues, but really the levees came in handy. That said, the, the surge wasn't as bad this time. During Hurricane Katrina, it was about 27 feet just because Katrina was a huge storm and had been stronger for longer and was moving slower. This storm was moving a little bit faster, so that and because it was a smaller, little more compact storm, it didn't have as much time to push all that water ashore, but its surge was still really significant in places like Grand Island, extreme southern Louisiana, down the bayou, so that was a, a problem. Fortunately, like we said, New Orleans proper fared all right with the surge, but the storm jogged east last minute, just by a couple miles and gave them a lot more wind than originally anticipated. Okay, this is a random question, but I always wonder, as meteorologists, why do y'all have to go out in the middle of these storms? Like, I feel like I kept seeing nothing but videos of just weather people just out there getting pummeled by, like, the weather. It feels like, can y'all not do that from a studio? It just feels unsafe at this point. Or is that like a yeah, rush? So you love that. I feel like they're into that. That's, that's a really good question. So there are some meteorologists who like it. Other TV stations do it simply for ratings. Oh. I'm very much opposed to putting a reporter out there because reporters, they, they don't always know what they're getting themselves into. If they have a crew, they can't really inform the crew as to what's going on. I, I love reporters and reporters do a duty that I could never do because like, they're, they're much better storytellers than I am and much better at capturing people's stories. But they don't always have that scientific aptitude, whereas me... I, for example, I'm a scientist. I know when it's time to get inside. I know when it's time to get out of a situation. I know what area will flood, what area won't. And so I can kind of do it safely. And, but we also know that for the television viewer, 
people are much more likely to act, to heed warnings, if they know what they're up against. And every time you see radar on TV, there's some people who get it and some people who say, well, that looks like a bucket of spilled paint. I don't know what's going on there. But if you show them exactly what's happening, if you show them the power of what's going on, if you show them you shouldn't be out in this, look at the implications, here's a live picture, they'll say, all right, next time I'll evacuate or maybe I'll go next to my basement or maybe I'll do something. Uh, so just finally, because there's a lot of people without power, are there any updates in terms of when the power will come back? As far as I know, nothing yet. Uh, from what I understand, the main lines out of Mississippi are severed. So until those get operational again, I think it'll be slow going to even restore stuff in, in New Orleans proper. And since everything's down, even start. you have trees blocking the way. You can't really yeah. get heavy equipment in there because of that. Gasoline is, is pretty much run out. It, the, oh. the storm has caused damage to a bunch of uh, oil rigs out there. So it's uh, going to be a long process. That's where the infrastructure bill is going to, y'all. Just saying. Yep. Clean energy grid. All right. Well, Matthew Capucci, meteorologist for Capital Weather Gang, thank you so much. Hey, thanks again for having me. Next up, will California impose a statewide vaccine mandate? The controversial decision and what could go down next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. State lawmakers are now considering one of the most politically challenging government mandates yet, requiring Californians to show proof of vaccination to enter many indoor businesses and forcing workers to get vaccinated or regularly tested. Joining us right now is the assistant to the mayor of Los Angeles, Wylam Weiss. Thanks for joining us for this. Uh, Thank you for having me on again. Well, yeah, I even saw protests around in Santa Monica over the weekend. Is this the right time to push for this also considering a recall happening? You know, there's obviously a lot of discussions about this from a political standpoint, but in reality, it's not just about politics. And yeah, maybe it is time. The fact is that we are dealing, as always is said before, this is a pandemic now of the unvaccinated. And in fact, the statistics show that only 0.009% of those who are vaccinated actually wind up in the hospital. And we have to have a real discussion about, we've tried a lot of methods to get people vaccinated, but it's not just about uh, yourself, it's about everybody else. There are still plenty of people who cannot receive the vaccine, including the 12 and under. And so at this point, we have to make a real discussion, even from a political possible hit. What do we have to do to protect the lives and safety of all Californians and Angelinos themselves? Yeah, I, it, it is so important for us to be focusing on on that because the lives are really important, right? Um, but I do wonder, in the state of, like, in this moment of Gavin Newsom, is he kind of worried? Because the polls are saying that they are turning out to be the, the, the opponents that are running against him. I mean, Larry Elder is killing it on and when it comes to polls. So is this really a big political threat? It can possibly be a big political threat. That's a very good question, and that's yet to be seen. And let's also be reminded that the state legislative session is also rapidly coming to a close. The state actually ends its session on September 10th. So it is quite possible that this piece of legislation may not be able to make it through before the next legislative session in January. But we understand that this is a rush, and it needs to be done properly but quickly to really figure out how to control this pandemic. One of the council members actually for the city of LA, I think said it right. And it's, we need to stop fighting science and start actually fighting the virus. Mm, That's true. I don't even know if we'll ever get there though, unfortunately, it seems. Do you? We don't know. And the science doesn't know about exactly might have to get clearly like the flu. Maybe this one will actually stop it. We don't know. But what we can show for now is that these vaccines are effective 
maybe mostly importantly at keeping us out of the hospital. Yes, some people are still getting sick with COVID, but almost everybody who gets sick, even with the vaccination, is not putting a strain on our hospital resources across the state. And that is something we are trying very hard to prevent another bout of that. We do not need our doctors and our nurses struggling to keep up with patients on a regular basis now for the fourth time. Definitely. Have we seen anywhere where where this type of vaccine mandate has helped or has been put into um, effect? We actually haven't seen it, at least in in terms of a modern era. Uh, We do know that there's a lot of history when it comes to vaccine mandates, especially across the country. And the state and the city themselves both believe that we can indeed do this with strong legal standing. It has been done before, and we believe it can be done again. I also just want to remind your listeners that we're not stopping people from essential. What we're talking about are outdoor or even indoor public spaces where people just gather, say that they have fun, stadiums, restaurants, bars, etc. But we will not deny people essential services because not only that we don't believe that's legal, we also agree that's not moral. No, yeah, and I, I do wonder, though, when people are already having such hesitancy around booster shots and vaccines, are we, I think the big conversation that I'm hearing a lot about, are people just skipping over the vaccines and going straight to, to the booster shot and being like, oh, we're all good. I wonder, are we all, are you thinking about that in the sense of like, you know, our lawmakers thinking about how we're, there's going to be a lot of loopholes here. <laughs> like, it's not going to be good. It's a mess. no. You're absolutely correct. There's a a large possibility with that. But at the same time, I also just want to remind ourselves that the legislation currently in the state uh, uh, assembly right now actually deals with having to get at least one shot. So whether it's the booster or not may not matter, but you have to show at least proof of one dose of the vaccination, whether it's Johnson & Johnson or the two doses of the Moderna or Pfizer, because we've already seen that at least even with one dose, you get far superior protection than if you just didn't have it at all. Okay, well, thank you so much for giving us an update on that. That was Assistant to the Mayor of Los Angeles, Wylam Weiss. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Next up, why Dr. Fauci is dragging Ron DeSantis' latest merch. That is next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast let's go there with shira and ryan channel q florida governor ron DeSantis keeps on doing bad things and just keeps on you know, uh, pushing the vaccine and COVID in our faces. He has new merch, and it's all against Fauci and the vax. What would his villain name be? Like, I don't know. You know, like, his his name reminds me of Sanitizer, but he's not a sanitizer because he doesn't, like, claim. So, like, he's like the Satan denizer. I like that. I like but that. But we need to sanitize him. He needs to sanitize, yeah, himself, for sure. Well, he has these T-shirts that say, Don't Fauci my Florida. And now Fauci is like, mm, no, come on. You're going to, like, can't Fauci at a certain point sue someone like him or do something? Like, isn't there a point system where you get, like, a flag in politics or, like, a point off your points? You know, one thing that Fauci isn't probably going to repeat is not speaking up. And he, we did not see him speak up really um, when he was working with Donald Trump in, in the things that were kind of happening during that time. He really wasn't as, you know, saying this is false as, like, we kind of needed him to. But I think now he's learned from that. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a DeSantis who's like a baby, like, not even close to... He wants to be him, but it's like, dude, it's like he's he's like the annoying little Trump brother who's trying to live up to his big brother's disgusting spotlight. And I think Fauci's <laughs> like, um, I've been up against worse. You're like... You know, a roach to me, please. It's like uh, the pa- Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Like, you know, you thought Logan was bad. Well, Jake Paul, the younger <laughs> brother, can be even worse. <laughs> I don't even think, here's the thing. I don't even think DeSantis is as worse as he's, I think he's just hopping on to actually, something politically. I no, don't think he I think, is that worse. I think he's actually uh, possibly worse because I. No one's scared of him. Because he actually is consciously doing these things. Like, he so was is Trump. trying to. He is, but there's also something off about Trump. Like, you don't. I don't know. There's you don't something... think Trump was conscious the entire time? I don't I'm not yes, sure. Yes, <laughs> he totally was. I, I think DeSantis could be a bit more uh, dangerous, including for the Hispanic Republican vote uh, come 2024. Because Is this a conversation you had with your boyfriend? 
<laughs> no, I, I feel, feel like, like y'all, y'all love have to like. Yeah, no, we've had no, this. I, I, I know when Shira like has really great conversations so with Chris, <laughs> and she Chris comes is my back. boyfriend, by the way. Yeah, and she comes back, and I'm just like, yes, Shira, you you read <laughs> CNN today. I love that for you. I listen to things. <laughs> so uh, here's how Fauci responded uh, to this DeSantis merch backlash. There you go. Well, I mean, whoever is attacking me and attacking me, just a reflection of the politicization of what should be a purely public health issue. And it's really unfortunate. You know, they're attacking personally me because I'm a visible person, but I'm merely articulating the proper public health practices that are recommended strongly by an organization, and that organization is the CDC. So they like to pick out a certain person because they could make that person, you know, the personification of political divides, which is so unfortunate. We should put all of that aside. We have an extraordinary problem that's killing people in the United States, killing us, putting us in the hospital. So that kind of politicization that you just mentioned, there's no place for that when you're dealing with a public health crisis. And uh, speaking of Florida, you know, they had 27,000 cases reported Thursday. That was the most they'd seen throughout the whole, all of the pandemic. Thankfully, it has dropped 16 percent, but they've had like over 900 deaths after August um, in August or recently with 70 percent of those dying the, in the last two weeks. So there's like a lot happening in Florida and he, he gets to take responsibility for no, that. No, for sure. Um, and speaking of which, another anti-vaxxer, I don't know if you saw this story, Ryan, it was uh, it was everywhere, a conservative Florida radio host who dubbed himself Mr. Anti-Vax. Oh, he died? Criticized, yeah. Well, yeah, peace. We saw that where that was going. Peace. Yeah, he... Uh, That's it, how I feel. I, I feel awful saying that, but I also don't feel awful saying it. Because if you are going to spew all this misinformation and anti-vax this, anti-COVID this... Girl, what what do you think your destination's going to be? It's not going to be to a beautiful resort at the Four Seasons. It's probably going to be four feet down underneath the ground, if you're being quite honest. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's really tragic when you hear of these folks who have everything at their disposal to take. Uh, well, you know, so many countries don't have what we have, and yet they they're not it. following the precautions, and then these are the results. Yeah. It's really tragic. And this is Mark Bernier out of a radio station in uh, Daytona Beach. Wow. So that's also happening in Florida. Maybe DeSantis right will speak at his funeral. We will see. And then completely be like, I have no clue he, how he died because COVID's not I wonder. Real. Yeah, this is just... <laughs> I don't... Yeah, even even that. He'll take that one to the grave, unfortunately. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Next up, uh, what happened when pro-LGBTQ protesters confronted a street pride rally over the weekend? That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back and happy Monday. Coming up on the show, the new study that reveals how Disney princess culture impacts gender. We're going there. Plus, is Kimye back on? The never-ending story. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's like a plague. We're, we're, we've been cursed with the Kimye Chronicles. That's in the tea report in a moment with Ryan. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki shared how the recent EU travel restrictions would impact Americans. 
today's announcement by the EU impacts people who are unvaccinated uh, and not people who are vaccinated. And we continue to encourage people to get vaccinated. And the fastest path to reopening travel is for people to get vaccinated, to mask up and slow the spread of the deadly virus. We continue to work across federal agencies to develop a consistent and safe international travel policy. This includes travel from Europe. This will involve stepping up efforts to protect American people, including by potentially strengthening testing protocols for international travel. It may also involve ensuring that over time, foreign nationals coming to the United States are fully vaccinated. So yeah, if you want to travel to the EU, the 27 nations of the EU, you will probably have to be vaccinated. Now, the House Select Committee investigating the deadly January 6th riot is going to request that a group of telecommunications companies preserve the phone records of a group of GOP members of Congress they have not named, by the way, and former President Donald Trump, as well as members of the Trump family who played some role in the Stop the Steal rally that led to the Capitol insurrection. The records request is the first step in the committee's investigation process and could signal the direction they plan to go when they call witnesses. This could get juicy. Okay. And uh, speaking of problematic people. A street pride rally hosted by the far-right hate group Proud Boys, who are also involved with the January 6th insurrection. Uh, This, though, rally happened in Modesto, California over the weekend, and it ended in fistfights and bear spray. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What in the Looney Tunes commercial is that? Bear spray? Mm -hmm. Who has bear spray just handy? If you're like woodsy dudes, I guess. I don't know. Pro-LGBTQ activists held a rally in a local park a few hours before the Proud Boys event started, but joined with anti-fascist activists to actively counter-protest the street Pride rally. Reports say the militia group provoked the protesters, kicking off the fight that closed down the street and ended in two arrests. I wonder, is bear spray, like, honey-flavored? I think that's like in Winnie the Pooh or something. (laughs) (laughs) Bears, real bears don't like honey? You know, I think they do, and then they'll eat you. Depending after. on what type of community I'm in, I'm <laughs> consider a bear, and I like honey. Hey. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened at a street pride rally, unfortunately, over the weekend. Uh, but that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, y'all. Drum roll, please. It looks like Kim Ye's back on. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, the estranged couple have considered putting their divorce on hold to work on, quote, rebuild the foundation of their relationship. A source close to the couple has been talking to TMZ about it. Kardashian, you know, Kim, is considering withdrawing her divorce petition, um, though no decisions have been made yet. Now, here's the thing. They said one thing keeping Kim Ye on the path to reconciliation is that they both want what's best for their four children. Here's the problem. Don't stay in no marriage you hate for your kids because your kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to now resent you because you're putting them in a a terrible home. My thing is, they're rich. They're going to be happy, but y'all need to show them that you can co-parent and exist in similar spaces. You don't have to be, like, together for them to be a big, happy family, right? That'll be more traumatizing. And, of course, these rumors of reconciliation blew up after uh, Kim made a surprise appearance wearing a wedding dress to, quote, remarry um, Kanye at his Donda listening event in Chicago on Friday. The couple came face to face while um, the song No Child Left Behind played for the scene. Yeah, I mean, Kim has attended all of the Donda events, but this was actually the first time she participated in the show. So, who knows? I mean, it's really none of my business. It's not like they on TV every Sunday anymore. So, we'll just have to see how this plays out. But, 
I just don't think it's a good look, you know, staying in a relationship for your kids. That's what an awful decision. What a lot decision. of people do. Celebrities, they're just like us. Yeah, but that's an awful decision. I would never. I'm sorry. Like, I love my kids, but I also love me too. And that's uh-huh. that's what you need to be showing your kids, that you love yourself. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Let's talk Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency. And guess what? It's returning to the park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you you. Just go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending cash. Are you kidding me? $500. I mean, that'll get you an outfit. That'll get you a dinner, maybe. You know, it'll do something if you budget it correctly. Don't miss out on Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Residency. Shows live in Las Vegas. Tickets go on sale. Actually, guess what? They're on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com. So head over there if you don't win this one. Um, Find out all the deets at WeAreChannelQ.com. Next up, why before and after photos are more problematic than you think. You'll be re-looking those before and after photos on Instagram after we have this conversation. That's next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Social media has made before and after photos a thing that we, you know, celebrate it, it, but we it could also be problematic. So I feel like there's two ways of looking at it. Like, I think it's awesome. If you are owning your change and transformation, great. But there's another side to it that we don't always talk about. And that could create a lot of societal pressure saying, okay, before... That before you wasn't good enough. 
So here's the thing. I look at this from a, a several different perspectives. I look at this from the uh, anti-fat-phobia angle. I look at mm-hmm. it from the queer trans perspective when it comes to before and after photos. That could be very problematic, you know, especially if you are a trans person and someone posts uh, let's a quote-unquote before photo and that could be traumatizing. It's honestly as bad as dead naming, in my opinion, unless you get specific approval from said trans person that you can post their before and afters um, and for whatever reason there probably is not even a reason for you to do that now if the trans person wants to do that then that's their own you yeah. know thing but um, I I think for me I'm currently on I'm, I'm working out more I'm trying to have a lifestyle change okay. I don't really subscribe to diets I think that's problematic but this idea of like me even taking before photos for my own personal self but I'm never going to really post them because I do think it's inherently when you start to examine well why are you working out is it because you hate being fat because in if you're being honest, that is you having some internalized fat phobia about yourself. If that is the reason why you are like working out and, and trying to get skinny and trying to fit into what society deems to be attractive. And for me, I had to reexamine a lot of that being like, why am I wanting to work out so much? Is it because I, I want people to enjoy me aesthetically and I, I'm trying to, I'm seeking some type of approval, whether that be dating, whether that be sex, whether mm-hmm. that be anything, or am I doing it really for myself and just like having kind of like a a different, I want a different experience from what I've kind of been taught. And I think oftentimes when you're talking about conversations about before and after, um, I think it's very complicated. Oh yeah, I think intent and context and understanding your why is really important. I think, you know, and, and we always talk about the physical before and afters, but what about the internal, like how you feel or health? Like, I think that's where we get to see a shift because that's the thing that we tend to not focus on because it's always so, as you mentioned, aesthetic or about the visual appeal of it. I mean, I'm seeing before and afters, you know, I'm like very deep in the hashtag personal growth stuff. The before and afters are more like internal. Like this is me. I haven't done. It wasn't about like working out. It was about like the internal workout. This is me before and after ayahuasca. <laughs> okay, all right. Like, don't you see I'm glowing now and I love myself? Was your after ayahuasca <laughs> photo, like, with throw up everywhere? It was after they took a shower, of course. I mean, it's not that raw and real, Ryan. <laughs> I don't uh, believe but, it. But that's where, I, I mean, I, I do think if, if you're proud of yourself and you've put in the work, then it's your prerogative. Like, go and celebrate that. Uh, but then it's just also understanding and doing the internal work like you're doing to understand, like, why that is important to you. And I think the more people are self-aware of their actions and why they're doing things, the more hopefully we could do things in a more conscious, intentional way versus yeah. doing it because, we're like, well, maybe this will get some sort of reaction. But let's be honest, before pictures don't do anything but like trigger you I, I mean in my opinion like even when I'm seeing before and after photos on online and it's about someone losing a ton of different weight I'm like what's the point of this are you t- are like it's one of those things where if it's like it's a health thing and you kind of really needed to change your life around yeah. in some ways like if that's, that's what, what like yeah. but oftentimes that's it's good. not that it's oftentimes bragging that you're now deemed accept- acceptable because you've lost all this weight and now everyone can celebrate you and be like, oh, you look so good, even though you looked great when you were in a size, you know, 4X. You looked beautiful in that. 
Instead, you're like now showing the world, well, I look beautiful now, which is why so many people had a, a problem when Will Smith decided to go on his little weight loss journey. And he's talking about in that video, he's it's disgusting. His body looks disgusting. And it looks he looks like every regular person out there. It's like we have to reframe our conversations about weight. We have to reframe our conversation about beauty standards because inherently it's 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 not uplifting folks in the way that you think it is. It's actually telling them they if they are farther they're further othered unless they change these things about themselves, which in which is why folks are it's end up being bulimic or anorexic oh, yeah. because they're trying to like get this type of validation from everyone. Well, I've seen the other before and after ones of people that have had eating disorders, right? Yeah. And then they show before what they thought was normal, right? Yeah. And it was obviously being, they were very sick. Yeah. And then afterwards, and you see how much happier they are and healthier. And so I, once again, I, I think that the ones we've gotten so used to are like that. And the Will Smiths, he obviously didn't probably think about that. And like for also Which is a problem. Well, yeah. And also you have to think about everyone's individual weight or whatever. That's their own personal thing. Like what feels good for him might like what feels good by the way for you no. might not feel good for him. I'm sorry, I don't accept that because I I think it's it's all inherently the way that we have learned about what is deemed attractive and beautiful in society standards. It's not just what works for you doesn't work for such and such. It's we've all been taught the toxic same thing and that's the reason why it works for him because he's been he's lived he's lived in a Hollywood aesthetic and world where everyone told you to be a movie star you gotta have 17 abs and your calves gotta be bigger than my forehead you know all of these things it's it's problematic and for me I think that's what we need to be working on reframing what beauty can be because it's all subjective anyway oh yeah I agree on that and then at what point then I would love to ask you this is like what if you just don't feel good in your body? And what if that might be someone else's like thin, but for you, that's like, oh, I'm feeling not myself. I would examine why you don't feel good in your body. I'll I'll tell you. Unless it's a healthy thing. Like your doctor's telling you, girl, if you have, you know, you on, you on your way to like something really terrible happening, that is when you start to reexamine. But if you're just reexamining because you're scrolling on Instagram and you're looking at, I don't know, let's name out one of my friends, Eric, Costello and she got 17 abs on her body and she's a Victoria's <laughs> Secret model and you're like well damn why can't I look like her peep stop it so you that's know, not I, real I, I think I've talked about, to you about this there was a few years back where I you know and my weight gain would be like not not a lot for many people it felt like if at all, all right, which but, I don't want to I don't no, want to no, not no, validate but, your but like, experience but like, and your feelings honestly I felt like it was the, the first time in my life that I gained more weight than I did but it was like I was literally smoking lots of weed with a boyfriend and going to house pies every night. Okay? So, <laughs> okay. so let's be clear. And oh my God. It did not, I mean, yes, that was fun for a bit, yeah. but my body, like my, my chest started getting really big, yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. It was like not even about fitting into my clothes. Like it wasn't physically, I was starting to, like I was physically bloated and uncomfortable. And so, like, that for me, I was like, okay, is this the new norm? But I'm like, I'm not comfortable right now. Okay. You know if you're I mean? not comfortable. But, <laughs> that's I, what, but yeah, my that's thing what is, are you not comfortable because what you were, you felt, you it was just how you felt in your body? Or I, was it, like, also the way maybe your partner would look at you? Oh, no. Or he like, loved me. He was getting it. He was loving okay. it. He did not say anything. I was the one that yeah. I was like, this does not feel yeah. good. And even now, listen, I have a lot of 
clothing that's too small on me now. And I have to, in the uh, moment, be like, but is it like... I like my body right, right now. Right. I'm okay with that getting smaller. But there's the, also, then there has been the times where I'm like, but my body doesn't feel good. So mm. you see that that balance. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. It is most definitely a balance. And I think the context and the nuance of it all is yeah. really important as usual. Well, let us know how this impacts you at LGT shows where we could find you on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Next up, the new study that reveals how Disney princess culture impacts gender. That is next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new study reveals that princess culture popularized by Disney's iconic films might not have as negative an effect on child development as some previously thought. And joining us is Dr. Sarah M. Coyne, Associate Director of the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University and who is also behind this study. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the program. So why was this important to focus on? So I study the impact of media on child development. Mm-hmm. And if you spend any time right, with preschoolers at all, then you know that they are really into Disney princesses. And there have, there's been hardly any research on the impact of princess culture on young kids and certainly not over time. And so that's kind of where we got the idea to do the study. So I'm looking at the breakdown of the participants, which were 41% female, 87% white, and the median age of participants was four years old. What went into that? Because 87% white seems really high. Man, I know. Yeah. Have you been to Utah? <laughs> <laughs> which, but I, I think that's the reason why I'm asking, because it doesn't really feel like a fully developed uh, research if it's, you know, mostly people are coming from a similar experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to replicate the study in a, a more diverse population. I live in Utah right now, and so, you know, we kind of got to work with our population. We did try to reach out um, to several Hispanic communities in the in the area, and so we have a little bit higher there, but, but you're right. That's one of the biggest downfalls of the study is the lack of diversity, for sure. And so then what was discovered, and with that said, do you feel like it, it would change depending on the participants involved? So we found that those uh, boys and girls who were really into princess culture at age four tended to hold more progressive attitudes around gender in early adolescence. So they were uh, more egalitarian in their views mm-hmm. about men and women. So they say, you know, a girl is just as likely to go to college than a boy or a boy is just as likely to do housework hmm. than a girl. And they were also more accepting of uh, boys showing emotion in the context of interpersonal relationships. So, like, it's okay for a boy to cry if he's sad. It's okay for a boy to talk about their feelings if they're sad. And yeah. then we also found um, just for lower-income families uh, who were into princess culture tended to have better body image over time, which was very surprising. Awesome. And so that's why I wonder, yeah, if we had a more diverse population, then, you know, those results might be even bigger. Princess culture in the past was toxic because it often, it was often the only representation when it comes to gender roles. Now that there's more examples of positive gender roles, did that impact the study? Absolutely. Uh, Princesses used to be really gender stereotyped early on. And you look at the princesses of today and um, there's still issues, right? There's always issues, but like, in comparison, you know, they're strong, competent, independent woman, women, and their stories about their, themselves. They're not always about just finding love and romance and relying on a man to save them. And so I think that it sends a powerful message for both boys and girls to watch 
um, strong characters like that, strong women like that. And I think it, it can have an effect over time. At least, you know, that's what our research found. Yeah, I, I was wondering, and I guess you kind of answered that, if you're using current Disney films or older ones. Yeah, so the study took place right when um, Tangled came out. Oh, a good so one. So that was kind of like the first wave of the study. And then we followed them over the course of like, you know, Brave and Frozen and all those other things. And so I've even wondered if I started it today, because I feel like Dis- Disney princesses have progressed even since then, right? Would the results be even stronger now? And I suspect they might be. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here and letting us understand all of this stuff. It gives us hope for the future that we can be putting Disney in front of our kids and not uh so that they're not possibly falling apart, you know, and it's empowering yeah, them versus not freaking uh, out about it. Yeah. Yeah, bringing them down. <laughs> uh, that was Dr. Sarah M. Coyne, Associate Director at the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University and one of the authors behind the study. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Next up, how to get creative with your out-of-office replies, you know, with all of us going out of town for the summer vacation and some examples of ones that got a bit too TMI. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As everyone's going out of town for summer vacation, there's a lot of interesting out-of-office messages that are being thrown out there. And who knew there was a strategy to a great out-of-office reply? Well, first things first, when do you turn off your out-of-office? Like, do you do it daily when you're just done for the day? Do you do it, obviously, on vacations? What does that look like for you? I think that daily, and it's, I mean, this is also me as a pretend expert right now, my instincts dropping in. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so happy I, you could come to the show. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I think daily is a bit much. Like that means what every, every moment at like maybe 5 PM or whatever you have, you know, you're done the day. Who why knows what why that is that is? a bit much? That's setting I then, boundaries. I, but I think PM, there's, so here's the thing. Alone. You could set boundaries without an out of office reply. Just, don't check. Like, I think there's a uh, societal acceptance that you're not going to necessarily, if it's your work email, be checking it after five. I feel like not we've gone to a new space. I actually do feel like I think that the past 10 years we've been figuring this out. Uh-huh. I personally feel like there's a new understanding. I mean, me and my, um, I you know, I have a team, I have a company, and we talk about this. There's an, a knowledge and this was hard. It was. It was. It took me a long time to get to this place. Mm. That like five thirty or six after that, unless it's an emergency, don't assume people are gonna reply to the email. And then if you need to text or Slack, but there's just this general awareness. Like I know if I message someone after five or six, probably they're gonna get it the next day. Yeah. I think that the out of office is more for the vacation or if an emergency comes up and then you're not going to be available. See, I see it the other way. I think you can use out of office whenever you choose to because... Um, well, yeah, actually, it's a free country. I have, I have several friends um, who turn their on of, out of office around, like, I think five. Oh. And it literally says, "I'm, you know, I'm done accepting emails. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I'll call, like, I'll write you back in the morning oh, or something okay. like that. And, yeah. and for me, I think that is such a great example of, like, setting boundaries of, like, your work capacity and your own kind of, like, you're like, I'm actually putting my mental health and turning off my electronics first and kind of, I will reply to you if I want to, but for the most part, don't expect a response until next morning at 8 a.m. when I'm back in office. Um, also, by the way, yeah. I, I just found out what COB stands up. They what started to use it here C-O-B? around the office. Yeah, what is it? Close of business. 
Which is disgusting. of business. Just say end of day. (laughs) That is the worst. No one asked you for that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Don't come up with new lingo. I mean, yeah, I noticed that. And he bells things. Yeah. C-O-B, close of business. When does this place ever close? Let's be real. And whose like, close of business is that? That's so strange. But back to this, I do I do think out of office um, messages, I think you are allowed to have, even with like signatures now, I think that's a creative POV too. Like you can have yeah. some fun with it now. Yeah, like in your signature, like I do not reply after the hours. Like why even have an out of office? Just like say I don't reply. What's annoying about the out of office is mm. when you get it and then you have like just junk mail. It feels like just like a piece of junk in your inbox. Like, okay, I get it. You don't want to, you're not answering oh, the yeah, email. Now true. I need to get an extra that's email on my that. Yeah. That's annoying. It is a little toxic. Uh, but then even if you were going to take time off, I guess how would you do it? Let us know at LGT Show. I think a... I'm out. Here's how, if you need to contact someone about this, here's who to contact. You don't need to get into it. Although I do like a little like witty phrase like this one. Uh, Working on my tan lines, not my emails. (laughs) That's perfect. I love that. Get creative with it. Exactly. Make people laugh when you let them know that you hate them and don't want to respond. Yeah. You said it. Well, next up, why Lizzo is pissing off Madonna fans. That's next (gasps) on What's Trending This Hour. Speaking of Lizzo, enjoy rumors. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Madonna. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. And Ryan, Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, the founder of Miri's List joins us in 15 minutes. It's a nonprofit helping Afghan refugees, and she'll be sharing more about what they're doing and how you can help. Uh, plus, why Lizzo is getting Madonna fans angry. That is in the T Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell spoke at an event in Kentucky about the COVID vaccine. Honestly, my friends, it never occurred to me that we'd have a challenge getting people to take the vaccine. But that's where we are. 90% of the people in the hospitals are unvaccinated. We have a crisis of the unvaccinated. And so we're all, I think, perplexed as to how we tackle this problem. But clearly, getting more and more Americans vaccinated is the only way to end it. This is what we mean when we say gaslighting is real. Like, this is the definition of gaslighting. Because my thing is, how are you perplexed that this is now, a, like, an unvaccinated, like, the uh, the pandemic of the unvaccinated? Is that what he said? The epidemic? Whatever. Yeah, it's of the unvaccinated. I mean, he's basically repeating what de- Democrats say. I would say the first thing, if you really want to just talk about step by step, talk to your fellow Republicans. Talk to the folks that are leading in your party 
that are continuing to spew this misinformation to their communities. But no, I'm being serious with the gaslighting of it all because it's one of the things that I feel like conservatives, Republican leaders do really well, where when the, the, the crap hits the fan, they're like, I have no clue how this happened, but then pulls up their history of them either denouncing it, telling people not to do it, or saying, well, everyone should just do whatever they want to do. And then you're like seeing that people are dying and this virus isn't going anywhere. Like, it's it's like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, listening to that made me feel like I was going insane. Yeah. We where should talk a bit about like cognitive dissonance. Like, where has he been? Some of that. Well, since July of 2020, uh, oddly enough, Senator McConnell had said he has total confidence in Dr. Fauci. He's kind of like the the one person at, at his level, it seems like, in the Republican Party, but it's not enough to take out all the other voices Who? that are pushing on the other side. Who are we talking about? M- McConnell in July of 2020 was like, I, I have total confidence in Dr. Fauci. Whatever. It's I just think, all strange. But when he had the chance to denounce... Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, when she was saying all the awful things that That's she said, he not, never takes the chance. Line, he's not getting how the like. It's just he never at takes such a, a chance. A, he allows it. A tunnel vision in terms. I'm of sorry. It. If you let kids do whatever kids want to do without setting boundaries, then you're creating a monster, and that's what he's doing with his little Republican children. That's true. Don't you know? Don't have a Lego set and then be surprised when you step on a Lego. What? Where'd the Legos come from? <laughs> Children, kids. <laughs> anyway. You, I you never know. played with Legos. Oh, the worst is when you step on a Lego. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, the last U.S. evacuation flight left Kabul's airport today, officially ending America's 20-year forever war in Afghanistan, but leaving hundreds of Americans behind in a country now controlled by the Taliban. And this comes from General Kenneth McKenzie Jr., who said this at a press conference today. I'm here to announce the completion of our withdrawal from Afghanistan and the end of the military mission to evacuate American citizens, third country nationals, and vulnerable Afghans. He said every single U.S. service member is now out. I can say that with 100% certainty. The last troops left at 30, uh, 3.29 p.m. Eastern. The number of Americans remaining in Afghanistan is in the very low hundreds. And he explained that those people will be brought out in the military operations diplomatic sequel via the State Department. Meanwhile, the Taliban celebrated the completion of the U.S. withdrawal by lighting up the night sky with gunfire. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I don't know how this started, but there is a list of who is the king or queen of pop. And Lizzie's, I guess, started it. She's weighed in, at least. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Yeah, she's not only weighing in, but she's stirring the pot big time by crowning the great Janet Jackson as the queen of pop. Which Madonna fans were like, hold up now. Um... I don't know about that. Madonna's kind of like taking that that title and role. Um, in my opinion, sorry, Madonna girl. Janet is the queen of pop if you really want to have the conversation. Um, but music fans had to interject and point out that Madonna has long claimed that title for herself. As she's an iconic artist who did a lot for the genre in her heyday, uh, and just in general, I guess. And some people felt mm-hmm. that Lizzo's putting um, putting her head in the sand on this one. Yeah, I don't know. People were really upset. I mean, it was trending all day yesterday where she was just like, oh, I done created something. Here's the rest of her list, though. She thinks Britney is the princess of pop. Rihanna is 
What is the? I can't even follow this list. Well, I had. Wait a second. I'm gonna pull it up. The peepee. No. What's a peepee? It it means something. I got it. I got it. Here we go. All right. So here, here is the list according to Lizzo. Because I, to be honest, I'm not even really understanding where this all came from. So Prince, uh, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, Queen of Pop, Janet Jackson, Prince of Pop. Justin Bieber, girl, oh. go take a nap. Princess of Pop, Britney Spears, the pop princess, mm-hmm. Rihanna, that's PP, and Queen of Music all together in her own category. You know the one and only Beyonce, um, which, duh, makes total sense, of course. Um, now, I don't know why she decided to wake up this morning and just start this conversation, <laughs> um, but she most definitely did. What do y'all think? Do you think Madonna is the princess or the queen of pop? I do I, like Janet Jackson. Definitely, in her own right, is a queen. But if you look at how Madonna changed the face of pop and pop culture, I think you could say Madonna at the time. No, I think so. Like, I, I think disagree. in terms of her global impact, Janet Jan- Jackson. Janet Jackson definitely. doesn't have, I feel like, as big of a global impact as Madonna. Are you? I'm sorry. See now, this. Can, can someone? Can I hate someone weigh in, in at LGBT it, show? But I'm sorry. Janet I Jackson, love Janet Jackson, Janet more than Jackson is Wait, an icon pers- legend who changed the face of mu- of, of like literal music, pop music, dance. Listen. She literally created some of the like I don't know. Velvet Rope was one of my favorite albums okay, when I was all right. younger. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Emo Shira was very into Velvet Rope. I'm just saying. Over Madonna, <laughs> but Janet I just Jackson think gets it. Culture, I do think globally. Culturally, Michael Jackson, and but Janet Michael Jackson, Jackson I would duo. say. Uh, you know, he continued without his sister, unfortunately. <laughs> wow, this could have been a whole, like, uh, like six-minute conversation. Anyway, sound off in our DMs, LGT show. I, I need to know. We we got to yes, settle this. please. Um, but next hour, find out. Keep listening. How you can win two tickets to Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Fest. Well, not festival. Las Vegas residency actually is the opposite of a festival. It's just her singing jazz. We can make it a festival in your minds. It's not Chromatica. (laughs) That's your tea report. Next up, how this nonprofit is helping Afghan refugees here in the U.S. The founder of Miri's List joins us after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Founded in July 2016 in response to the Syrian refugee crisis, the nonprofit Miri's List is busier than ever, unfortunately, now responding to the urgent needs of families resettling in the U.S. as refugees from Afghanistan. And joining us right now is the founder of Miri's List, Miri Whitehill. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Shira. Hey, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, of course. You're always doing amazing work. So we're we're very proud of you. Definitely. And Thank I, you. And it was an honor to work with you on Friday, also raising some money, uh, $2,300 talk, talk to us about that event. What was that event Friday? That was so beautiful. It was a evening under the stars of Afghan musicians. I mean, it was just a healing ointment for what the last two, three weeks has been like. Uh, for our organization. And by the way, um, I myself was not able to attend the event because I was home with my kids. But my colleague, Yin, who was there, told me that it was just so beautiful. And then I just watched on social media because we got like 600 followers, (laughs) like immediately. I don't know who was at that event, but we got hundreds of followers um, right, you know, as as it was happening. And I thought that was so cool just to kind of watch it from from home. 
Yay. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, and and you are Thank just you doing so much. so much incredible work. Uh, tell folks more about the organization and how it works, because you do things differently than other nonprofits out there as it relates to refugees. So Mary's List is a is one of a uh, of a community based organization working with families who are resettling in the United States as refugees. And we are one of the community-based organizations that are working in addition to what the federal government offers to families when they get here, which is something like 90 days of support from a licensed resettlement agency and a caseworker. Um, those agencies are going to provide really important things to the family, like helping them to find an apartment, picking them up at the airport, making sure that they have a temporary place to stay when they arrive. Um, those agencies are incredibly uh, overwhelmed, underfunded. Um, if you have ever been inside a federal or state government-run agency, you know what I'm talking about. Um, resettlement agencies are no different. Um, we are able to support the families directly um, by representing the neighbors. Um, there are so many people in America that want to welcome refugees to get involved to support these new Americans. And that's what we do. Yeah, and I think that's what is so important right now. And it's, I think because of everything happening and, you know, just us kind of, if people aren't following the news and everything, how are you finding people? Are people just reaching out to the organization? Are you going out being like, hey, we're here? How does that kind of work in form in, in, when it comes to communication? Yeah, well, actually, most of the families that we enroll in our program hear about us word of mouth through a family member or friend who is in our program or who has graduated from our program. Um, we also get families referred from other agencies, from other nonprofits. Um, but I would say it's probably most like 90 percent or more word of mouth. And you started by making your own list when you were helping uh, those refugees in Syria. Has that continued? That's why it's called Miri's List, because you create a list of the needs and that's where the money goes. Yeah, well, that's really what it's all about. You know, I think that there's a whole lot of um, media, global media about what refugees are experiencing during their journey of trying to find a safe place to live. And then we don't necessarily think very much what happens when they get there. And so what we found when we started meeting families back in 2016, and that was during the height of the Syrian refugee crisis, we were mostly serving families who had fled by foot Syria. And, you know, that has changed in the last couple of years. Now we're mostly serving families coming from Afghanistan. And, you know, often these families are arriving with their suitcases and what they're wearing and each other. And so when we meet new, these new families, we might meet them in an apartment that is sparsely furnished or completely unfurnished. We often meet families who are sleeping on the floor, wow. who don't yet have beds. And so just that very basic question, what do you need? That's where we begin. And we let our families tell us the things, people, and services that they need to be safe and comfortable as they start their new life. So how can we get involved? I mean, tell us what you need. Wow. <laughs> Ryan, what a question. What do I need? We um, are a small organization. We are just 15 people on staff at Mary's List and hundreds of volunteers. So the first thing 
um, for anyone who's listening who's like, I want to get involved, I encourage you to go to our website. And first of all, you can shop one of our family's lists. That's a great, that's like the best first step. Um, and then also take a look at our volunteer opportunities because at every single uh, connection point with our families from that first meeting to, to actually turning their list of needs into a shoppable online wish list and putting it on our website, that is all run by volunteers. And we couldn't do it uh, without them. We've been able to serve 612 families who have come through the resettlement program in the last five years because of our amazing volunteers. Ugh. This gives me chills. Makes me want to cry. You're incredible. Go to miryslist.org, M-I-R-Y-S-L-I-S-T, just in case you're wondering. Miri Whitehill, the founder of Miri's List, thank you so much for being with us. You're incredible. Thank you so much, Shira, and thank you so much, Ryan. Of course. Uh, We're always here for you. Uh, Y'all are the best. And we are back with more of Let's Go There right after this. We are switching gears. I don't even know if I want to talk about that. Like, we're, we're, Just let, let's end it on a yeah, high note. Yeah, let's end it on a high note, but this stick around it. for the conversation. It's going to be juicy right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so is cheating um, on your partner, is it cheating if you par- your partner subscribes to OnlyFans accounts? That is the big question. What are you like? A teenager? No, of course not. <laughs> it's kind of like the question: Is it cheating? Is it cheating if your partner looks at porn? I think that with OnlyFans, people think maybe it's a bit more personal because you have to be active, like you pay and subscribe for that, I guess. And it's have very you one, ever been on OnlyFans? No, I actually have not. Wow. But then <laughs> we have amateurs in the building. <laughs> I mean, I subscribe to a lot of things. Okay. Okay. But. I, I tend to go as, for the freemium model. As the person, I mean. as the person who subscribes to you know a couple OnlyFans accounts, yes, you do find a content creator that you like, and you do subscribe and you pay monthly. And sometimes you end up forgetting, like any other subscription, that damn, I meant to unsubscribe, but now you still get my money. That's that. That's the trap. And then some accounts, depending on the content creator, you can get in like you pay monthly but then they charge even more for even intense yeah, other videos sense. so but what if you had a partner you found out was subscribed to someone on OnlyFans but like I feel like is there a line between just being a supporter and a fan and then just being obsessed well that's anything anything in moderation because and you know can become a lot but I I think for me if my partner has his favorite porn like content creators let me know. Like, I want to watch with you. Like, I'm yeah. like, I'm totally down for you having your personal time and doing what you do. Like, that is fine. As long as you're not spending the rent money, if we're living together, or if we're not living together, as long as you're not spending your car note. Like, my thing is, I, I think if you are not, um, if you're doing it responsibly and it's a part of your budget and you can afford it, have at it. We shouldn't be looking down that it's like this big deal that they're looking at content creators. As long as it's not impacting your credit score. Period. I am down with it. What if your partner was keeping it from you, though? There wouldn't be a need because we're watching the same stuff together. But what? But what, you know, airplay it onto the TV. That are like, no, this is my thing. I don't want to watch it with Which you. Which is fine. Actually, I think, I think every couple individually should be having their own sexy you know, time by themselves. So my ex was definitely a daily watcher, right? Not OnlyFans. I think he was too cheap to do OnlyFans. Yeah. But, uh, and did do things himself every single day, right? Mm -hmm. And that actually did impact our sex life because he was so busy doing things with himself that he wasn't going out of his way with me. That's a whole other thing. 
What does that does that say something about him or you? I don't know. <laughs> God, I, I wasn't telling you to tire me out today. But then my current partner, it's the other extreme. It's almost like he doesn't. It's like he doesn't like porn. He wants you. Yeah, and I'm like, and you're tired. <laughs> I'm tired. She's that exhausted, <laughs> y'all. No, she no, says I'm tired. My legs hurt. <laughs> on the other side, I go, well, maybe that's not healthy. You know what I mean? I have all these ideas. Like one extreme's not healthy, but then the I don't other think extreme. we should be looking at it in that way. I think I, yes. everyone should have their own sexual desires and everything they should have met. I do think if it, like you said, the, your first example where the person was like really into watching porn instead of kind of like having that connection with you. Maybe there's something there that you have to have a conversation about. But overall, I'm totally fine with a partner of mine wanting to watch porn. Now, I didn't used to be that way, actually. I used to actually be really insecure uh, insecure about it because I, am at that time, looked at the type of porn he watched. Mm. And I felt like, well, none of these people look like me. So what are you, like, really into? Are you not really into me? And for me, that kind of was triggering. But I learned I had to grow the hell up and be like, if he wants to do what he wants to do, great. Because guess what? That's less work for me. There you go. Practical. (laughs) Actually, you know, er eroticism and fantasy is really good for your mental health. And it's important. I believe it. We need that. I believe it. So whatever you decide to do, I think, yeah, look, if th- if things make you uncomfortable as it relates to porn or all this type of stuff, I think there is a balance and you have to look at why it makes you uncomfortable before pointing a finger yeah. at your partner. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, involve your partner. Once you have that self-awareness and understanding of where you're coming from, have that conversation with your partner and understand and, and f- um, find that common ground. Because guess what? When you do, it could only help. No, it really could. And my thing is, I, I think we have to get rid of the insecurities around it. Like, if your partner's doing that, unless they are spending way too much but time thing, and Unless it's impacting your you, sex life, yeah, then that's bring that issue. into the yeah. le- sex life. Yeah. You're, that, you know, see not what, getting me See what attention. they're watching. See what they're watching and see how you can bring it into the bedroom. Hey. You, like, you literally never know. I would do some know. more of that. I knew I was bored recently. <laughs> when I When I decided to look, I don't look at porn a lot. Okay. I was so bored and lonely. I decided to look. Oh well, that's great. Did you? Did was Chris around? No, you no. Were... I was kind of my rebellion. Well, you should. First of all, you should. I mean, you should be but doing typically, that yourself. I just don't need it. Every I don't adult need, human I do, should be wait, learning their bodies. By the way, no, I learn. I know my body. I do things <laughs> with my body, but I'm not. The, a, <laughs> I don't watch. She's like I do it. No, <laughs> but I typically don't need to watch things. Really? Oh, you're an imagination girl. I'm a feeler. I feel. Oh God, but, not not this. She's like. <laughs> Oh my God. Please. I'm a feeler. Get out of here with this. Oh, well, there you go. We said we were going to go there today, and we did. Get away but from I don't even want to hear your tease. Love Island's lame excuse for not having gay contestants. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, Love Island is this popular reality show where I guess hot people go on an island to find love, specifically hot says hetero people yeah it's um i mean it's really big in the uk it's basically as big as like big brothers here and they have now a u.s version um but the story is absolutely hilarious and i am absolutely 
excited that we're covering it. So yeah, an ITV boss, because the company that produces it is called ITV, confirmed that there's logistical difficulty, literally quotes, logistical difficulty of including gay people on Love Island. Raise your hand if you're gay and logistically difficult. <laughs> I am raising both hands. <laughs> So in an interview earlier this year that I, I guess is now getting some attention, ITV Commissioner Amanda Stavery, who I don't know if she's going to have a job after this interview has come out, said that the show has to give Islander an, Islanders an equal choice when coupling up. And so she said that the format would make incorporating gay people a challenge to this choice. She said, so we're very sort of mindful of what across... Uh, of that across our programming on ITV and dating series. But that's the difficulty with Love Island. Live Island is a particular thing. This is another person um, from ITV. It's about boys and girls coupling up. So if you want to do it as a gay version or you want to widen it, it is discussed. We just haven't yet found a way that would make it suitable for that show. Well, I mean, there is a show called Are You the One on MTV? Um, where they did a bisexual season where everyone was, uh, it was just, I mean, really it was a queer season because everyone was just very fluid. Everyone was like sleeping with each other. Um, you know, if you identified as male, you were sleeping with, you know, I mean, it's everybody, when I tell you everybody was sleeping with each other, everyone was sleeping with each other. And, and some people came out as couples and some people didn't. And it's literally, it's possible. And so the fact that they are saying and kind of using this excuse as just being logistically difficult sounds lazy and that. They hate gay people. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to make it happen. But yeah, the thing is, and there's so many people that come out of these shows like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, that either afterwards saying, oh, I'm bi and all that. And what's sad or it sucks is it seems like they would be ultimately not included if they shared what their real orientation was. I've seen clips on Love Island, uh, like from like the sh- the show, and there's a lot of queer baiting stuff happening. You know, there's like oh, romances yeah. with these muscular guys, you know, doing things and making you feel like you just turned on Pornhub. Oh. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, I just feel like there is sexual energy already there. So making it queer, making it fun, making it, it's, there. there's such a possibility. There's a lane. Why not just include um, a bit of everything? Yeah, I know, right? I just, I mean, this is really going to hurt the franchise because I feel like a lot of the people who watch it are queer people. I mean. I mean, who doesn't want to see people having sex with each other? It's kind of Or just naked, running around Yeah, because the men are sexy and, and matching with the British accents. See, I, I haven't watched the U.S. one, but I have most definitely watched the... Um, the U.K. one? Yeah, I've watched clips of the U.K. one. Okay. Like clips, just like little ones. Well, let us know. At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. I mean, at this point, it's an opening for someone else to create a completely new franchise and make billions of dollars off of it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yaz Queen. This is like my dream, by the way, what this guy has done. He's created a coffee shop in Chicago, though, that focuses on mental health. And he wants to make sure their customers have a place to talk about hard stuff. Love this idea. Christopher Lamarck is the founder of Coffee, Hip Hop, and Mental Health. And has dealt, unfortunately, with trauma for much of his life after being abandoned and abused for 12 years. And he said he didn't know either of his parents struggled with a lot of complications for basically 30 years of his life. And in 2018, that trauma caught up with him. And he actually found himself outside of a Starbucks. And so that really that moment pushed him into therapy and it's always a moment he'll remember and that's why he thought he would bring all of it together in the launch of his own coffee shop. 
Which I love this. Um, one, because I think we just need more spaces like this. And yeah. also doing it in a coffee shop type of environment just feels very cozy. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like I should grab a card again. <laughs> um, it feels really, really great. Oh, he is cute, too. Well, so every... No, he's really cute. He has a salt and pepper thing going on. He's wearing a yellow sweater right now. Okay. There you go. That's an added bonus. So I guess for every coffee that is sold or drink that's sold, it funds free therapy sessions for individuals in need. I mean, I love this idea. That is such a great idea. It is. That's really a great idea. I don't want to take it and bring it to LA. No, seriously. We should get him on. I would love to know. I mean, obviously we know kind of why it started, but like how that is happening like the lives that he's impacted yeah you know well if you're in the chicago area check out coffee hip-hop and mental health and uh, you can find out more about the founder christopher lamarck online as well and he gets a yes queen of the day i just followed him he is so cute yes queen and that does it for our show today but we are back tomorrow weekdays here on channel q live 2 to 6 p.m pacific 5 to 9 p.m eastern on tomorrow's show among many things we're gonna be talking about what it means to be ace flux and is it a crime to forge a vaccine card we've got you covered on the show tomorrow if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast just go to the odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search let's go there and subscribe we are sending you love and light and honey remember to slay now stick around for love line with dr chris where he's covering feeling not good enough and what to do about it that's next this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.